The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Eye on College Basketball Podcast, it is presented by Jersey Mike Subs. Jersey Mike's a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Please do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. The biggest story of the past 24 hours is Alabama star Brandon Miller's involvement in an incident that resulted in the death of a 23-year-old mother named Jamia Harris. For those unfamiliar, here's the deal. Let me catch you up on, on where we're at. Last month, former Alabama, Alabama player Darius Miles and his friend, a guy named Michael Davis, they were charged with capital murder. Miles' gun was the alleged murder weapon. Davis reportedly was the shooter. We've all known all of that since January 15th. Then, on Tuesday, just yesterday, we learned more, specifically that Brandon Miller, Alabama's five-star freshman, best player, is reportedly the person who, who brought the gun to the scene of the incident. That's what police detailed Tuesday in court. They testified that Darius Miles texted Brandon Miller to bring him his gun after he and Michael Davis had a run in with Jamia Harris and her boyfriend. In the simplest of terms, it appears that Miles and Davis were trying to talk to Harris. She wasn't interested, told them she had a boyfriend. Then her boyfriend, a man named Cedric Johnson, reportedly told Miles and Davis, like, hey, it's time to move it along. And that's when Miles reportedly told Miller to bring him the gun. He did. And then Michael Davis eventually got the gun. Uh, reportedly said to Cedric Johnson and Jamia Harris, quote, I told you I was going to get you. And then he started firing into the vehicle, at least eight shots. One of them hit Jamia Harris in the face. Minutes later, she was dead. And now we know the, the gun that was used to kill her was brought to the scene by a projected first team All-American for a projected number one seed in the 2023 NCAA tournament. Tuscaloosa Chief Deputy DA 
Paula Whitley. She was asked on Tuesday why Brandon Miller hasn't been charged with a crime. Seemed like a reasonable question. She said that there's nothing they could charge him with. Now, I'll let the lawyers determine whether that's true or false. But either way, there is literally nothing stopping Alabama as a school or a program from punishing Brandon Miller in some way. To date, the school and the program uh, have at least publicly done nothing. And in some regrettable comments on Tuesday afternoon, Alabama coach Nate Oates chalked it all up to Brandon Miller simply being at the wrong place at the wrong time, which is obviously a ridiculous way to categorize this situation. Norlander, thank you for your patience, but I did think it was uh, important to lay everything out before we discuss it further. Now I've done that. So uh, let me start you with this. First question. Are you surprised Brandon Miller has played 10 straight games, started 10 straight games since taking a gun to a place where it was used to kill a woman? And even if you aren't surprised, do you think it's appropriate? Yeah, I'm not here for the cynicism. I am surprised. Okay. And there's been a lot of this. Oh, what did you expect to happen? It's Alabama. He's a first round pick. He's a top 10 pick. He's a top five pick. He's the national freshman of the year front runner. No, I expect, I expect someone charged with leading a program like Nate Oates uh, to take proper disciplinary action. I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an expert in, in law in law in the state of Alabama. I'm not here to talk about whether or not Brandon Miller should have been charged in this. Can't speak to that with an expert legal mind. Not going to pretend to not going there. But what I do know is everything that Parrish just laid out. And frankly, I've heard from many, many coaches, assistants and head coaches, head coaches at the power conference level in the past. However many hours this has been since this broke that <laughs> the question everyone is asking is how did Brandon Miller and Jane Bradley not serve a suspension and is he really actually going to play tonight? And I was told by a source, I haven't, you know, I haven't talked to Nate Oates, but I was told by a source that I, as of this hour, yeah, the, the expectation is that Brandon Miller will be available for Alabama's game on Wednesday night. You know, Oates followed up with a statement after, you know, a, a bad choice of words. They're at South Carolina. Um, it's as nondescript of a, of a conference game in the SEC as Alabama could possibly have this season. Uh, frankly, uh, you know, why not just you, you've taken a lot of L's here. Why not just take the easy win and just not play him? I, but that's a that's a discussion for another time. Maybe that changes by the end of the evening. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But with all of the details there, the thing that just doesn't sit right after the fact is that quite clearly Oates, Alabama Athletic Director Greg Byrne, school president, board of regents, enough people in power had to have known the details here. Because Miller's car had bullet holes in it, his windshield. Uh, he drove to the scene. Um, there are still, I read all the reports I could read that came out of this yesterday. There are still a few things that need further explanation, uh, but it appears as though while Miller was around the scene, he wasn't actually at the scene when it happened. It appears that way. The, the, the testimony under oath did not indicate that Miller was was in the presence of this. And uh, even one of the one of the uh, the law enforcement officers said under oath that uh, Miller did not see the actual shooting, uh, the exchange of gunfire take place. E even learning more of these details. Um, yeah, we have we have a we have a, a woman, a mother dead in this. And 
it, it's it's kind of a shock that there that there wasn't at least one more. I mean, this is apparently a, I've never been to Tuscaloosa, but this is a very busy part of the downtown area, relatively close to the football stadium, and this is a horrific situation that could have been much worse. I just don't understand why Oates and that program didn't opt to do the right thing and have some disciplinary action. If you just take it on its face, Miller receives a text message from his then teammate asking him to come on back downtown and using language that would indicate he's asking him to bring his gun. And it's, you know, one in the morning, what common sense has got to apply here. And Again, this is completely separate with whether or not Miller has been charged, should be charged. It's it's separate from that. It is did did Alabama review this and determine if if Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley violated simple like code of conduct rules at the university? This isn't a violation of that. This wouldn't trigger any kind of suspension. And I've also seen a little bit of well, this is clearly not Nate Oates' decision. Well, even if for whatever reason the people above Nate Oates' head decided that, you know, we don't think that you absolutely have to discipline these two players, he's still the head coach of the program. He just got a major extension a few weeks after this happened within the past month. He can still make the ultimate decision to say, no, I want to do the right thing. It looks so much worse after the fact that all of these details come out with Brandon Miller's involvement in this, if he does not do this, it is not unthinkable. It is, it it seems relatively possible that this woman's life isn't taken. He brings the actual gun to the scene because it wasn't there to begin with. It's genuinely infuriating. And I'm not here for Alabama fans trying to justify this. Go ahead, GP. If you don't have a rule in your program to speak to the lack of punishment so far, that covers something along the lines of, hey, you're not allowed to drive around late at night, middle of the night with a loaded gun in your car. Like if, if you don't have a rule that something like that would fall under, then what, what kind of program are you running? It is outrageous that Brandon Miller has not been at least disciplined in some way, suspended in some way. And I think you could make a pretty compelling argument that he shouldn't be a member of the basketball program at all anymore he did quite literally bring a gun to a scene that led to the death of a woman it is not a stretch to suggest that if when he gets that text he just texts back no 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 i'll come pick you up let's just call it a night or no 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 i can't get involved in this situation just turn just get a ride home and we'll talk about it when you get here if he does any reasonable number of reasonable things then this young woman, you can reasonably assume, is still alive. Instead, he made just about, if not clearly, the worst decision you can make, which is, hey, you guys have been out all night. Now you're in an altercation. Now you're asking me to bring you a loaded gun. Sure, I'll be there in a second. That's outrageous. Think about what basketball players and football players are suspended for sometimes. Smoking weed, breaking curfew skipping class you're going to tell me bringing a loaded gun to an altercation and that loaded gun subsequently being used to shoot and kill a woman doesn't rise to the level of some sort of punishment that's outrageous and any alabama fan out there trying to rationalize this and there's a bunch of them 
they still argue in, in my Twitter mentions right now. You are out of your mind, completely out of your mind. I love sports just like you love sports. I hope to God I never love any sports entity enough to make me so stupid when something like this pops up because there are Alabama fans who I'm assuming are otherwise reasonable people who could not be twisting themselves in more ridiculous knots to try to rationalize why Brandon Miller is playing basketball with no interruption and still a member of this basketball team. And that press conference from Nate Oates on Tuesday afternoon was frankly embarrassing. And I say this as somebody who thinks Nate Oates is a unbelievable basketball coach, one of the best in the country. Um, I respect him. I like him. I couldn't believe those words came out of his mouth. Wrong place, wrong time. What? I, no, no, no. <laughs> wrong place, wrong time is if you're at a party and you're minding your own business, you're having a good time, you're holding a drink, you're talking to so whoever. And then over here on the other side of the room, something like this pops off. Bang, bang, bang. Wow. Now you are wrong place in the wrong time. You just having a good night and something wild happened in your vicinity. That's wrong place, wrong time. Brandon Miller wasn't in the wrong place at the wrong time. He, he helped create the wrong place. He enhanced the wrong place. He brought the gun to the place which immediately turned it into the wrong place, wrong time for a lot of other people who were out in Tuscaloosa that night. But Brandon Miller was not wrong place, wrong, wrong time. He didn't just happen to be somewhere where gunfire erupted. He brought the gun that led to the gunfire erupting. And there is also reports that his car blocked the vehicle of Cedric Johnson and Jamia Harris in a way that almost sounds like a mob hit or something you would that, see in a movie. That doesn't make sense to me, though, because eventually that car leaves the street. So, I, again, I'm just I'm not going to speak to the logistics of that, because GP, if that actually was the case, if if there was if there was a if there was clear intent there, then he would have been charged. I mean, this is very, very common sense. But regardless, his vehicle was in the vicinity and then it wound up having two bullets hit its windshield. Again, the report is that his car was blocking this other vehicle. Whether it was intentional or not is unclear. I have no idea. But it certainly doesn't sound great. And, yeah, I just, I, I don't know how this can be just swept to the side the way the Alabama Athletic Department did, just tried to sweep it to the side. Again, there's a long list of basketball players and football players who have been um, suspended for far less, far less than carrying a gun to an altercation and then having that gun be used in what is now an alleged murder, in the shooting death of a young mother that left a five-year-old little boy without his mom. And it is embarrassing that Alabama has just kept playing Brandon Miller without any interruption and the one thing I'm certain of, absolutely certain of, is if the player who did this averaged two points a game instead of 19, he wouldn't be on this team right now. Absolutely not. Brandon Miller better be glad he's an All-American because if he weren't, he wouldn't be on this team right now. Yeah, and I'll take it a step further. If it was another teenage African-American man who wasn't a star basketball player, I can't say for certain, but it wouldn't surprise me if he would actually be charged with a crime right now. Yeah, there's a child out there that's not going to have a mom growing up. Shamia Harris isn't here. And 
it is uh, sickening how avoidable this whole situation was, how unnecessary this whole situation was. You know, I'll speak to the bigger picture too as well. Uh, Paris mentioned this on a couple episodes back. Like, college basketball has been affected in many ways by uh, by gun violence throughout this season. Some of it unrelated to anyone on any given program. We just saw in a very emotional cathartic moment happened Tuesday night at the Breslin center with Michigan state. We'll get to that in a little bit, but you know, there's the new Mexico state situation, which was a litany of things, but the first major headline of, of the season to come out of that program was a player bringing a gun to, uh, to a situation in which uh, he was lured uh, under the, you know, the false pretense of, of potentially meeting meeting a young woman, uh, but he had enough sense to know that it might not be right. So he brought a gun and then in self-defense and in retreat shot and killed a person. And, and now you have, you have this situation on Nate Oates. I, I almost wonder if he went out of body because it was so bizarre of a statement on Tuesday in the press conference. Like he had to know it was he had to know this was coming. They knew the trial was happening. The preliminary trial was happening. He said they they said a prayer for for the young woman, Jamia Harris. But wrong place, wrong time. You know, can't control what happens outside of practice. It was mind boggling. He did offer a follow up statement, which I still feel fell way like this way is short. still way short. But I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it because it was a, a statement that was put out on Tuesday night. Short, here it is. I thought it was important for me to clarify the unfortunate remarks I made earlier. This entire time, I've tried to be thoughtful in my words relative to this tragic incident, and my statements came across poorly. We were informed by law enforcement of other student-athletes being in the vicinity, and law enforcement has repeatedly told us that no other student-athletes were suspects. They were witnesses only. Our understanding is that they have been fully truthful and cooperative. In no way did I intend to downplay the seriousness of this situation or the tragedy of that night my prayers continue to go out to jamea harris's family that was his statement I, I there should have been much much more uh you know directly referencing the status and why it has been and apparently still is with bradley and with miller this is a major failure of, of leadership and it just it reflects it reflects poorly on Oates, obviously, on bama obviously on the sport obviously but can we just have a bit more accountability this is not players sneaking out in the middle of the night, breaking curfew to just do something like, you know, harmless but nefarious. And then like maybe it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a story. This is literally life and death. Someone got killed. What are we doing here? I just they he they didn't disclose it from the start and they would have been a bet. They would have been in a much better situation right now had they been more forthcoming, particularly because particularly because Jaden Bradley and Brandon Miller have not been charged. They are not suspects. They are not subject to an ongoing trial. If that is the case, you can offer more transparency. Continuing to hide behind word salad statements only make it worse for you as a program. The AD and Nate Oates still have more to atone for and to answer to. If I were at Alabama in charge of something, I would say, okay, we messed this up. How do we make it better from this point? We can't undo what we've done, but how do we make it better from this point? And I would release a statement or hold a press conference today and say, just like the rest of you, we learned some things 
in Tuesday's testimony that we didn't previously know. And we are now compelled to, to hold Brandon Miller out of competition until frankly, we can figure out exactly how we need to handle this situation. It wouldn't be great, but it'd be better than doing nothing because again, as you noted, as I've noted, players are suspended all the time for stuff that doesn't even rise anywhere close to this level. Players can't get held out of games for smoking weed, for sneaking out, for all sorts of, relatively speaking, minor things. Uh, Brandon Miller took a gun, to a loaded gun to a place, and that gun was minutes later used to kill a woman. That's got to be a violation of some sort of policy in your program. Otherwise, I don't know what kind of program you're running. And it struck me yesterday, and you mentioned Nate's press conference, which was just, I mean, even the was just bad. Everything about it was bad. The words, the visual, everything was bad. It just sort of struck me yesterday. I talked about this on TV at least three different times yesterday. But before I said a word on TV, there was literally a team of people sitting together saying, okay, how do we talk about this, given what we know, without speculating too much? What would you say if you were asked this question? What would you say if you were asked that question? How would you discuss this? We went over it probably for 20 minutes, making sure everybody who was going to speak about this on national television understood the facts of the case, the details of the case, and understood what was reasonable to say and where a line that might be too far is drawn. It appears that my bosses were more concerned about what I might say about this than NATO's bosses were about what he might say about this, which seems absolutely insane. It appears that I had more detailed conversations with higher ups about how I would discuss this situation publicly than Nate Oates did with his higher ups. And if that's not true, then I don't know what his higher ups were telling him because that was a obviously embarrassing um, demonstration from from him yesterday. And again, I say that as somebody who likes Nate, but I mean, what happened yesterday happened yesterday. I, I had people just like you coaches, assistants reaching out. And not one of them was like, there was actually somebody who called me who is close with Nate. I, I think they would consider themselves friends. And I swear to God, when I saw the name pop up on my phone, I was like, Oh God, cause I'm getting ready to go on TV. And, and this is what I thought you get these calls all the time too. I'm certain. I thought it was going to be somebody close with Nate calling to say, Hey GP, what you don't understand is, Hey, what you need to understand. Or like, let me tell you what the situation Nate's in. And so I answered the call just because, you know, I'm going to answer the call. But I was expecting that. And you know what I got instead? Are we off the record? Of course. What the F is Nate doing? What are they doing at Alabama? How is Brandon Miller not suspended? That came from a coach, from a person who is like, like friendly with Nate Oates. I think the coaching community, and I recognize it's easy for, easier for everybody to say what they would do when it's not them. Mm -hmm, but sure. I didn't hear from a single coach who said, yeah, Brandon Miller should still be playing without, without any interruption. Um, he didn't do anything wrong. People were like, what in the world is, was Brandon Miller doing? 
particularly as a projected lottery pick worth millions of dollars. Like, to be clear, any college basketball player should not return that text, certainly should not respond to it in the way that Brandon Miller responded. It's reckless and foolish no matter who you are, student athlete or not. But it's especially crazy when you're a projected lottery pick worth millions of dollars and thus with more to risk than your average student because this is now going to impact his NBA draft um, status. I don't know that it's the type of thing that's going to take him from being the third pick to the 13th pick to the 23rd pick or anything like that. At some point, somebody's going to say he's too talented. We're just going to chalk it up to one poor decision. But these are questions he's going to have to answer. And NBA executives are going to have to determine, um, is this just a, a good young man who made a very poor decision? A good young man who is perhaps more impressionable than we would like him to be, but still at his core, not this kind of guy. Or are they going to, they have to determine this is guys about this lifestyle. And that is representative of, of who he is. And if that is representative of who he is, he'll get a text message saying, bring me a load of gun and he'll just show up with the load of gun. Well, then we got to be careful using a top five, top 10, top 15 pick on somebody like that, investing millions of dollars. Who are we spending this pick on? Who are we investing this money in? I want to be clear from this seat. I'm not comfortable making that declaration. I don't know Brandon Miller like that. He may be the best young man in the world who made just a stupid, stupid, stupid choice, or perhaps he's something different than that. I do not know. But I do know that NBA franchises, they will spend the next few months trying to figure that out because um, this is going to be the main thing connected uh, to how he's evaluated by NBA franchises in advance of the 2023 NBA draft. Yeah, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Um, I don't know if this is impacting. It shouldn't be, but I don't know if this is impacting um, the flow of this story. Again, if you're watching uh, right now live, we appreciate you. Uh, in this hour, you know, Brandon Miller is expected to be available tonight. That might not change. That might change. We've got a lot of hours to go before that game tips in Columbia, South Carolina. There's a number of people um, with the NCAA at, in Houston or have been in Houston this week for a Final Four site review. Uh, when that happens, members of the selection committee also often will take those trips. I don't know if Greg Burns on that trip or not, but uh, isn't to say he can't do his job when he's not with the team, but uh, not seeing them face-to-face. If that, if that has even been the case, I don't have that verified. That might also be a reason why our uh, failure to quicker action is the case, but we'll see on it. Disappointing story all around, and you know, as eye-opening of a thing as 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 we've seen, I would say in some time, but frankly, we've had a few other pretty atrocious stories in the sport this season. If there are new developments, we'll let you know about them just as uh, soon as we can. But for now, uh, let's move on. Texas A&M beat Tennessee on Tuesday night to improve to thirteen and two in the SEC. Uh, nobody has turned a season around uh, this season better than. Buzz Williams. We're going to get into that next, but first a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Texas A&M beat Tennessee on Tuesday night to improve to 13-2 and in the SEC. There is nobody in this country that has turned a season around quite like Buzz Williams has this season. Texas A&M started 6-5 and with losses to Wofford and Murray State, both of which are outside of the top 200 of the net. Since then, the Aggies are 15-2, and beat Tennessee, beat Arkansas, beat Missouri twice, Auburn twice. Make sense of this Texas A&M season, Deadleg. Um, just coming on strong late. Buzz Williams is, uh, they're tracking well at this point and they've, they've been able to overcome a non-conference that certainly didn't look like they were, they were heading to the NCAA tournament and not even the NIT at, at one point, but it's going to be, a going to be the two seed and it most likely will be the two seed in the SEC tournament. It is one game behind Alabama there. It's not getting caught for the two seed three games clear and uh, has performed well enough at this point where yeah, it's, it's done. It's done well. Um, it's, it's a good free. If you want like actual bare bones statistics stuff with this, A&M makes more free throws per game, you know, about 19 uh, than anyone in the country and it attempts uh, the second most per game, you know, around 25 per, you know, 25 per contest. So it, it's, it's good at getting to the line. We saw that again. We saw that again. Uh, yeah. If you can speak to the actual game, it was rough, you know, 68, 63. It took two and a half hours. We had 24, 34, 42 fouls in this. Wait, wait, Taylor, I believe, if I remember from doing the highlight last night, was 16 to 17 from the free throw line. Let me bring this up here. He did go. Yeah, he was 16 to 17. He had 25 points, uh, was the most important player on the floor, had four steals as well. And there were like 27 reviews. Just, you know, not a great watch. What can, what, what can you say? But A&M now having just lost twice since December 20th and gotten it done in SEC play it's 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 going to it's going to go to the tournament it's not a lock but it's it's going there at this point the remaining schedules at Mississippi State at Ole Miss will finish out at home against Alabama in College Station to wrap up the regular season schedule before SEC play A&M has only made two tournaments since 2011 and went twice under Billy Kennedy and both of those runs wound up uh, with sweet 16 appearances there. So this is not a program that we see in the bracket every single season. It did have, it did have a good run under Turgeon and before Billy Gillespie got the Kentucky job, of course, shouts to AC law, the fourth podcast favorite for sure. But this is Buzz Williams is, you know, first go of it. They actually had 13. They, they tie their program record for SEC wins, their all-time record back in the Southwest Conference days. They won 14 a couple of times, so uh, they're poised to, at minimum, match their program best for most conference wins in a season, and it's not a spectacular team. They don't jump off the screen, but they get it done at both ends, and Buzz Williams is doing eventually it's taken until year four and they were, they just narrowly missed last season, but he's, he's doing what he came to do when he left Virginia tech to go back to A&M. And that was a telegraphed coaching move. If ever there was one, he brought Virginia tech to three, three straight tournaments. Then he wanted to reboot and start a new. Now they're going to be dancing in the field. I don't know what seed they will be because their resume is interesting. If they take a couple of weird losses, they will be actually up for debate, but hard for me to see this team playing its way out of the field of 68. 
Yeah, this is what Buzz does, or at least this is what Buzz has done at his past two jobs. Like, take over a bad situation at Virginia Tech, make it good. Take over a bad situation at AM, now he's made it good. And like you said, really made it good last season. They got off to a rough start, but then played well in a, a pretty significant segment of the SEC. Put themselves in a position to get an at-large bid. They just found themselves ultimately on the wrong side of, of the bubble. Um I mentioned on Sunday's episode like that I didn't have Texas A&M ranked. And the reason is because the entire body of work is not top 26 in the country. It's just not. Uh, it's why as recently as this weekend, like Jerry Palm had them in last four in. You They'd know, crack that top 25, though. thought that might happen. Number 25 in the AP poll. Well, I jumped them up into there this morning. And the reason is because at some point – and, and I, I feel like two months is a pretty good point. You just have to recognize what this team is and not totally disregard what happened in November and early December, but place everything in proper context. Because like I said, Texas A&M started six and five, lost to Wofford, Murray State, lost to a whatever Colorado team. And in that stretch, I don't know if you know this, at BartTorvik.com, you can sort the data from like one date to the next. So the yeah. How you doing with that tourniquet spot over there? By the way, you figure oh, out. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't f with tourniquet yet. Okay, all right. All right. Yeah, I, I, give me a give me a minute. All okay. right, I can't put too much on my plate I'm, all at okay. once. Okay, no, I'm uh, fair enough. Right now, I'm just strictly, I'm just sorting data, one day to the next. So if you if you take that 11 game stretch to start the season, Texas A&M six and five, ranked 90th in the country at Torvik. Since then, A&M is 15 and two, and if you run the data. From the day after the loss to Wofford, which is December 21st, if you run the data from that day to this day, it's two months worth of basketball. Texas A&M is the sixth best team in the country. Here's the rankings over the past two months, according to BartTorvik.com. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Houston. Number three, Purdue. Number four, St. Mary's. Number five, UCLA. And number six, Texas A&M. So Kansas isn't in that, huh? Kansas is not in that. So I moved Texas A&M. Uh, I jumped them from unranked all the way up to number 18 in the top 25 and one because, yeah, the entire body of work isn't the 18th best in the country. That's why Texas A&M probably wouldn't be a top five seed in the NCAA tournament right now. But over the past two months, this has been one of the Six best, certainly you can safely say top 10 teams in the country. And at some point, I've got to get a pretty good number next to their name. I did that this morning. All right. So big picture before we scoot around the other parts of the conference. How much confidence do you have, though? Like blindly speaking, if if we started this tournament tomorrow and A&M was on the 10 line, like would you have much confidence in picking them to be the seven seed? It's it's a good story in that they're getting there. I, I Again, they're, they're really good on the offensive boards. They get to the foul line a ton. Uh, but I've watched a few. I've watched, you know, I've probably seen him and play like five, six times this season. I, I, I don't know. They're a solid team, but I almost feel like it's an indictment on the SEC a little bit that this is the team that is clearing away in second place in the conference. I would, to answer your question, take them as a 10 over a seven, just blindly. Yes, I would do that because you'd be getting good value. Uh, a seven seed is going to be you know, in that 25, 26, 27, 28 range in terms of ranking teams in the entire country. And there is data that suggests Texas a and is a top 10 team for a two-month stretch. 
you would be able to take what has for more than two months now been a better team than whoever would be your seven seed right now. Yes, I'll take Texas. How about this? You ready? Just blindly. I'm going to go ahead and promise you. I don't even care where Texas A&M is seated or who they're playing. I'll take them in the first round. Okay. I'm loyal I'm loyal to Buzz Williams. I'm I'm holding you to it right now no matter the team, no, no matter, matter the seed. No matter the th- Hey, no find ma- us on sele- our selection Sunday show. Get in this chat. There are definitely AM fans that are going to be dialed into this. Hold him to He's going to forget this by tomorrow. He's picking AM no matter the team it's faced with first. It's first game whether that's Dayton or anything. You're on the hook. And hey, a week ago, we were like, yeah, Texas and Alabama to close the regular season, but that's not really going to be for the conference championship. Could be. Not after what the past 24 hours. I mean, yeah, seems possible. Certainly. Yeah, certainly seems possible. Not ruling anything out. All right. Uh, some other notable developments from the past couple of nights. Kansas and Texas uh, both improved to 11 and four in the Big 12. So they still sit tied atop the league standings. Three games left to play. They'll play each other. Regular season finale at the Moody Center. Marquette likely wrapped up, uh, wrapped up a Big East title uh, by winning um, at Creighton, which is an awesome win to go at Omaha and 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 knock that out. And if you look at the remaining schedule, it looks like Marquette is in a really good place, not just to share a Big East title, but but perhaps win it outright. Michigan State beat Indiana. Uh, by 15 points, uh, Spartans first game back at the Breslin Center since three students were murdered on campus. Uh, San Diego State late last night on CBS Sports Network. If I look tired, it's because San Diego State kept me in the studio until about 1:45 in the morning. They stayed atop the Mountain West Conference standings with a, a 19 point win over Colorado State. Any thoughts on any of that or anything else from the past two nights? Um, we're starting at the Breslin Center. That was uh, you know an emotional moment, and you know just. Small dose of, you know, a dose of good news. You know, it, it's it's really beyond secondary to what that community is still going through from a grieving process. But they played a game, and it was a wonderful visual. You know, the whiteout with the Izone and Michigan State. You know, comfortable tournament team. Indiana. You know, comfortable tournament team. And so, for the context of the the Big Ten standings, like it didn't mean a ton. It actually, I mean, it, it it really gave Northwestern a really healthy shot at finishing second because now Indiana lost. It's got seven league losses. Northwestern has five. Still got some tough games ahead. It's not guaranteed, but for the context of just a purely a Big Ten league race, um, Indiana losing benefited Northwestern's position. But Michigan State, you know, just put on a wonderful game and and. Tyson Walker had one of his four or five best games since uh, since joining this program. AJ Hogard played well, and Tom Izzo was you know understandably emotional th- throughout. That's just that's that's who he is. I did catch his interview um, with Scott Van Pelt late last night as well, and uh, Van Pelt basically teed him up by saying, "Van Pelt, by the way, a podcast listener. Thank you, SVP, as always." Um, teed him up by saying, "You know, you've done so much for that community." Uh, in the past week, what did they do for you tonight? And he basically said they, you know, they they showed me uh, a lot of love, and it feels like they showed a lot of people a lot of love during Izzo's, you know, speech at the vigil a week ago. He implored everyone to look around and and shake the hands and really get to know two or three people around them that they just didn't know, and to kind of bring the community closer. And so I think a lot of that spirit and a lot of that. Uh, ethos was in the building and so michigan state got a, a really good win but uh but there were you know there are much bigger things than that 
but this was, you know, technically it was just the first win that the program got since, since the tragedy happened. And it felt like uh, it was just a, a small step forward in an ongoing grieving process that won't stop anytime soon. There are still people in critical condition, still victims in the hospital. Some thankfully have been updated, uh, upgraded to stable, uh, but some still have not. And so they are still literally fighting for their lives as we, as we talk about this on the podcast. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. It was a really beautiful scene, um, largely because of the crowd, the whiteout, but also because of Indiana's participation in it. I thought it was awesome that coach and staff to be wearing Spartan strong um, gear Mm -hmm. and, you know, really being a part of what was an emotional and yes, special night inside the Breslin center. So, um, you know, I, 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 I hope, Michigan and I certainly are Michigan State fans are appreciative of of Mike Woodson and, and his staff and that Indiana program um, participating in the way that they did because they made it an, an even I think more special um, experience from basketball perspective. Yeah, it's those are two teams that are going to play in the NCAA tournament. Uh, um, I don't know how far either one of them will go, but that wasn't a situation where it was high stakes from a bubble perspective. Uh, they'll both hear their names called on Selection Sunday. On the Big 12 thing, mm-hmm. it, it starts with Kansas on Monday night uh, winning at TCU as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. And I really do think that, and maybe I'm just in my own little bubble, but that was the night where people started to go, hold up. Do you realize what Bill Self is doing? I Be- feel like we've said this I, for us. Yeah. And that is a bubble because we've been saying this for six weeks and maybe keep going, GP. But I almost feel like what Kansas did on Monday and then Marquette you know, borderline locking up the one seed in the Big East tournament. Now people might be like, wow, maybe this team can go to the final four with Kansas. People are saying like. Are they real? Might this team actually repeat? I, we've been telling you it's it's extremely on the table as rare as the achievement is. Yeah, like all I know is like I woke up on Tuesday morning and HQ was asking me about it, and I had radio stations, you know, asking me about it. And yes, it, you know, we it, it's it's our job that we have to talk about this stuff for you know roughly three hours a week in podcast form, and so we've touched on it feels like a million times at this point. But it seemed like it finally broke through then. Like, do you realize Bill Self lost four of his top five scores, six of his top eight scores, two first round NBA draft picks, and still has a team that's 14 and five in quadrant one with zero additional losses? They have four more quad one wins than anybody else in the country. Texas is second with 10. 
and Kansas and Texas are not coincidentally the two teams that are competing for the Big 12 title. What's interesting is that Kansas does have way more quad one wins than anybody else, and that is among the reasons some Kansas fans think Kansas should be ranked number one. If you want to rank Kansas number one, it is fine with me. I actually think in terms of body of work, you can make a case right now for Kansas, for Alabama, for Houston, and yes, for Purdue as well. Again, when focusing on entire body of work, at this point, you could reasonably have those four schools in basically any order, but it should be noted that Kansas is still sixth in the net, seventh at Ken Palm, not really number one in any of the computers that we ever reference. So if you're somebody who maybe has Kansas third or fourth instead of first or second, well, then that's the uh, the thing you would point to, to to rationalize that. Either way, uh, this is not normal to lose as much as he lost from a national champion. And like, it, it's not like they enrolled, they enrolled a, a Harold recruiting class, yeah. but like Grady Dick's the only one making a big impact. I mean, this is basically Grady Dick, five star freshman, Grady Dick, Kevin McCuller, transfer, and a bunch of guys on last season's team who now have bigger roles on this season's team. It's Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris, Grady Dick, Kevin McCuller, and a bunch of guys who didn't matter last season who are mattering now among them. KJ Adams, Dewan Harris and Jalen Harris are the only Dewan Harris and Jalen Wilson are the only two players in Kansas's program who were on Kansas's team last season and averaged more than 2.1 points per game for Bill self to be able to do this in this way speaks to, his ability to everything, develop players within his program, uh, recruit, and and get the most out of his roster basically every year. He is on his way to winning what will be a 17th Big 12 title in a 20-year span. That's, again, it's why he is widely regarded as, as the best coach in college basketball. Here's what's going to happen, okay? Right now... Kansas, this is a joke, man. This is a joke. It's got 14 quad one wins, and we're not even to March. It's That's the record. There's never been a team with more than 14. Kansas is going to finish. Minimum 17? It's 20 on the table. 20 quad one wins. This is not... What? What? Again, what? Number one overall seed, so so in play. And I might, I might need to be talked out of it in a week's time at this point, because the top end of the resume is fantasy land stuff. And they're doing it in the toughest conference in the country. And they lost like 65% of their production from last season from a national championship winning team. It is unreal. It, 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 so I'm glad you brought it up. I know Kansas fans are all too dialed into this and they are not taking it for granted. I do feel like a segment of our audience and college basketball fans, they're just like, yeah, it's Kansas. They're good again. This is outrageous what they are doing. And no, and, and the, 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 the ironic part is, yes, Kansas rank, ranks number one, as it should in strength of record, a results-based metric. It is, it is number one in that metric. Bama is two. But in the predictives, not so much. And some of that is because it has taken – because the league is so good and it's taken losses and it's lost two – teams that rank below Kansas in those metrics, you know, it's seventh at Ken Palm, eight in BPI, third in Sagarin, six in the net. So it's still top end, but it's not one across the board. But from a resume perspective, 
just incredible, which leads me to the fact that we have gotten to this point with all of that stuff on Kansas's dossier. And you look at the Big 12 standings, Texas is still right there, man. Yep. 11 and four. And I thought it was a really important win on Tuesday. A no nonsense 72 54 win over Iowa State, which isn't fully healthy. Someone said this along the way, and I forget who mentioned it, but it did. It, I, I completely nodded my head when I heard it. Iowa State's one of those teams. It's ready to get the hell out of Big 12 play and get to the tournament. And it's not coming for the next two and a half weeks, but it has, has managed three wins in the past month. And it is a good team. But maybe there is something about the way TJ runs his stuff. The quality of teams are so good. It just makes it that much of a steeper climb. It needs to play non-Big 12 teams. It does have a little bit of a respite in theory coming up. Oklahoma going to go out to going to go out to Ames, and then West Virginia will go out to Ames before Iowa State's got to finish on the road against Baylor. But Texas gets an important win to stay even in the Big 12 race. Now it's got to go to Baylor to TCU, which is why I recently said I still think that when Kansas and Texas play in Austin on March 4th to wrap the regular season. I think Texas's spot there at best will be to get a win over Kansas to tie the Jayhawks in the league standings. Kansas over TCU on Monday night was obviously massive. Texas A&M over Tennessee on Tuesday night, obviously massive. I think you could argue the biggest win anybody's got over the past couple of days is, is Marquette winning at Creighton because the Golden Eagles are now 14-3 and three in the Big East. That's two games ahead of Providence, Creighton, Xavier in the win column of the league standings, one game better than Providence in the loss column of the league standings. And with that victory and this advantage in the standings, it's now set up for Marquette because the next three games at home against DePaul on Saturday at Butler next Tuesday at home against St. John's on March 4th. That's three sub 95 net teams. Put simply Marquette hasn't lost to a sub 95 net team all season. They haven't lost to a team like they're going to play in these final three regular season games all season. Ken Palm has them favored by at least eight points in all three games. As long as they don't screw this up and take a loss, unlike any other loss they've taken this season, Marquette's going to be your outright Big East champions after being picked ninth in the preseason Big East poll after starting 76th at Ken Palm. They're now up to a num- number 11, and it's why – not only is Shaka Smart going to be the obvious Big East coach of the year, yeah, you're starting to have a, a national coach of the year race that that seems a, a little wide open. Bill Self is a part of it. Shaka Smart is a part of it. Matt Painter is a part of it. I think Chris Collins has probably got to be a part right. of it somewhere. There's a lot of good candidates now, but you could Shaka Smart loses three of his top four scores, is picked ninth in the Big East, and might win an outright Big East title. That's a that's a good that's a good place to start your argument. John Fanta interviewed Shaka for the Big East Digital Network after this game, and Shaka gave a good little anecdote. So a year ago in this game, Marquette at Creighton, Marquette was up late and it fumbled away the game, and uh, Shaka benched Kolick, Tyler Kolick, down the stretch, and then Shaka revealed on Tuesday that they had like a real like heart to heart, like you know, kind of vented all out moment with each other in a healthy way. And Shaka said after that, he determined internally uh, there were going to be no more games in which Tyler Kolick was going to be on the bench in a close game late. That would not happen. It hasn't happened. And then what did we see on Tuesday night? 
Kolek hits the winning basket. His bucket with 28 seconds to go uh, was the was proved to be the difference there, and he was a major factor. Marquette also at one point was able to keep Creighton scoreless for like six minutes. It went on a 13-0 run. It just swung the hammer right back at Creighton in the second half. And the and Marquette's been known for its defense. It's been number one or number two in points per possession for most of the past two plus months. And it was really the, the defense that came out uh, kind of connecting uh, Marquette and Kansas in a, in a couple of ways. I'll also say that both teams are proving to win in a, in a litany of, of styles and fights, which is a very good sign if you're a fan of either of those teams because you don't know what kind of opponents you're going to get in the first round, second round. If you get to the second week in the tournament, you want to have more than one or two default settings, if you will. And I think Marquette showed a little bit more with all that. Creighton fans, I know you're a little bit up in arms over the ending of the game. I'm just not here for it. I'm not saying you're necessarily wrong. It was a well-played game. It's in your barn. Marquette played well in the second half. You know it did. I know you wanted a little, you might have wanted a whistle there and not wanted a whistle there. I get all of that, but just tip your cap and move on. Like you still can win the Big East tournament. That's the wonderful thing about the Big East this season. I cannot wait to go to this tournament, man, because five teams could viably win it. And then even Nova winning at Xavier. We, until this week, none of the top four teams in the conference had lost a home game in league play. And then lo and behold, we wind up seeing it happen with Marquette knocking off Creighton and then Nova, which Never play spoiler in the new Big East. It goes in and, and handles a shorthanded, not handles, but winds up es- escaping and uh, and winning over a, a Xavier team that isn't at full strength there. So some Big East is worth a watch every single time. And we'll get to this in just a second when we preview the night. But there's yet another one. Uh, there's yet another one that's uh, that's awaiting us here on uh, on Wednesday. I think that pretty pretty much covers most of what. Uh, most of what we needed to get to on Tuesday. There was some other stuff, one, but yeah. one, one, one last note. I'll deliver it to you in the form of a trivia time. Sometimes I just sit around and I sort data at barttorvid.com. If you do it for the past month, so let's say January 22nd to February 22nd, who's the best team uh, in the country? A&M. It's not true. A&M is sixth. And it's, uh, it's Houston. Not true. Houston is... 15th you keep you keep moving the goalposts on me uh 15th okay 15th. <laughs> that surprised Damn me too tonight. that surprised uh, me too uh it's gotta be marquette marquette is where are you marquette Oh man, Marquette apparently stinks it turns out marquette stinks <laughs> over the over the past month marquette 38th Okay, well, that you know what that means. You're picking AM no matter what, and you're picking Marquette to lose. You've hated Marquette for years, so this is where this is going to. Is that basically what you're getting to here? You're going to pick against Marquette in the first round of the tournament? I don't think I can do that. I, I wouldn't feel, I would, I would, uh, I feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> okay. Um, past month, who else I got? Did I say Purdue? It's not Purdue, so that's not my Purdue guess. Is uh, fifth. Purdue is fifth. Jeez, um, uh, man. Uh Creighton? I don't know. Like, what are you guiding me to? I have no idea. Creighton is 13th. If I look tired, who kept me up late last night? San Diego State? My Aztecs are 7-1 and in the past month and rated as the number one team in the country, according to BartTorvik.com. All right, Aztecs. No one's going to give that program uh, the credit it should until it gets, gets some wins in the tournament. But in my power rankings on Thursday... Smelling. Uh, how about this? I started assembling the list last night. Aztecs are going to be somewhere in the top 13 or 14. That's all I can tell you. 
They are now uh, 13-2 and two in the Mountain West Conference. They've got a one-game lead in the loss column over Boise State. And this is going to be a fun race to, to close things because San Diego State, three games left in the regular season. Next two at New Mexico, then at Boise State, and then they close at home against Wyoming. So this Mountain West Conference race, it might be settled in Boise uh, next Tuesday on February uh, 28th. But at this moment, San Diego State, whether it is an outright Mount West Conference champ or uh, shares the Mount West Conference title, um, San Diego State is rating as as the best team in the Mountain West Conference. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Let's look ahead to the next two nights real quick. On Wednesday night, uh, got a busy schedule. Number 20, Providence at number 18, UConn. Number 2, Alabama at South Carolina. Kentucky at Florida. Wake Forest at NC State. North Carolina at Notre Dame. Iowa at Wisconsin. New Mexico at Boise State. On CBS Sports Network tonight, we got a doubleheader. It's Dayton at UMass and St. John's at Georgetown, a game between two schools that should probably try to hire Rick Patino, which brings me to your latest column at CBSSports.com. I already checked it out. 10-minute read. Is it that long? It's what it said, 10-minute no, read. That's, not take, I'm, that's taking you seven minutes tops. Tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, can, I can deal with a 10-minute read. I can, I, I can deal with a 10-minute read. So you went and uh, spent some time with Rick last yeah. Friday, I gather. What can I people did. expect to see if they, uh, if they decide to spend 10 minutes reading stuff you wrote? In fact, as you texted me and Nada that uh, Cody in Kentucky was uh, saying there's more of us, mm-hmm. I'm literally listening to Rick Patino hold court in his office and was doing all that kind of stuff. So I saw, I saw it after the fact, but that was, it was a surreal moment, I guess, for the, for the podcast there. Um, all right. So I went down to New Rochelle, checked out a little Iona Manhattan action and uh, Patino let me, uh, let me be a fly in the wall in the locker room uh, before and after the game. I talked to him for about 30 minutes before the game. And I wanted to just, Basically, I'm close enough. I just wanted to get a, a temp check on on how things are going at Iona these days and how Patino's doing because, you know, a few days before the season started, the IRP said, you're good. You're off the hook. No punishments. We cleared you. There was actually a, a little bit of stuff on that that I wound up not putting in the column because it just wasn't relevant to the column overall. But um, safe to stay, Patino still has a great affection for his players. Uh, as for the institution, he'll vouch for how much they care about the players. Ah, uh, not so, <laughs> not, 
Not so rosy feelings about Louisville these days for Mr. Patino. That's no surprise there. Uh, perhaps he'll expound about on that on the record uh, in the weeks or years to come. I wanted to know if he's really going to finish this out, like how close he was to retirement. And let's not beat around the bush here. We fully expect Georgetown to open. St. John's is in flux. There will be other jobs as well that uh, that could open. And is he going to leave or is he going to stay? Because he has said, and Patino, like, listen, he's not the his word is not the most reliable. He has he has said one thing and then and then done another. We know this to be the case, but you cannot deny. And I will give Paris his full due here. In fact, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause my thought and just let you just try and keep it under 30 seconds, please. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that in most of the thick of all of this noise surrounding Patino, you were like, I'd hire Rick Patino. So, yes. so here we, so if you want just re- real quick, then send it on back over to me. But I think, I think you've been proven. I need a, I need a GPI was right button. I don't have that yet. Not many opportunities for it, frankly, but you were right. What disqualifies Rick Patino from being a major college division one basketball coach? given the other people who are major college division one basketball coaches. That, that's always been my question. What, what, why, why can, and I, I'm, I won't even throw the other names out there, mm-hmm. but you know who I'm thinking of. There's a list of guys. Why can those guys coach at the high major level, but Rick Patino is disqualified. Like I've always said, if you are a university president, chancellor, athletic director, whomever, who just isn't comfortable employing Rick Patino, it's fine with me. You don't even have to convince me of it. I understand. I get it. I'm just saying there's nothing, literally nothing, that disqualifies Rick Patino from being a major college basketball coach again. And if I were a university president at a place like St. John's or Georgetown, absolutely, I would do it. If you are wondering where UConn legend Talik Brown is these days, he makes a cameo in the story. He is on Patino's staff at Iona and featured near the top of it. Uh, Patino said, he said both things. He said, I'll give you the direct quote here. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, he said he's more excited about coaching now than ever before. Part of that's because he knows his window is closing. He told me, I want to coach for five more, six more years. Um, he said, what else do we got in here? And please do read the story. We'll put this, we'll put this in a link. Um, he said, uh, if he left, it would have to be someplace really, really special with the type of president that I have here. Now it's easy. I got exonerated by the NCAA. They said you didn't do anything. Now it's easy to hire me. But Seamus Carey didn't have that guarantee. Seamus Carey is the president of Iona who flew across the ocean and met Patino in Madrid, offered him the job. Patino, I didn't put this in there, but Patino is basically like he didn't he wasn't going to take the job, but he was ready to just explain himself. And then the president was like, you don't need to explain yourself to me. I've done all my vetting. And that was really what changed Patino's mind. And then apparently uh, like they had to hustle out of there and, and catch the because the pandemic was about to hit. Like you'll remember, I think it was the day after the tournament got canceled that Patino getting the job wound up breaking. I, I think there's a chance he might stay. Now, I'm not saying he will. I am not saying he will, but he says <laughs> he gave me both. He knows exactly what he's doing, and I end the story on that as well. Um, he said, I have no idea what the answer is about where I'll be or what I'll do. I know I love the place. I know I'm eight minutes away. His house is eight minutes away from my own campus there. I do know there's certain places and there's 20 or 30 states where I don't want to live. Um, he said where he lived in the past didn't mean as much to him then as it does now. Uh, he also said, I know everybody here and I know what they are. I don't need money. I don't need fame. 
I don't need to move up the ladder of success. I know what I have. I know the devil here. Sometimes people don't know the devil. And to that, and he was explaining, you know, a job could court me. That's a power conference job. And there might be a lot of enticements there. But Patino 70, he's coached around the world, around the country, pro college, Euro League, FIBA, you name it. Right. And he's aware of the fact that he could take a job. And then the reality of that job on a day to day basis, three to six months after he gets it might not be exactly what was pitched. So he has some hesitancy there. Um, He said, he said, I don't see it happening. I'm really tied in these kids and they came because of me. That was the case for him to stay. The case for him to go. He did negotiate his contract buyout to zero dollars. It was five million a year ago, and Maryland Maryland made a call on him, and uh, it did not pursue Rhode Island and Holy Cross. As the story details, also inquired about hiring Rick Pitino. Now the buyout is zero. He's on the third year of a five year deal, and he does explain in the story about why being in a one bid league is an annoying factor to all of this. I am not going to predict what Rick Pitino is going to do. What I am going to predict is he no longer has any NCAA baggage hanging over his head. His name is not toxic now to the level it was many years ago. And if and when Georgetown opens, uh, that to me is the best potential job. I th- There's another job that I'm not going to bring up that Patino did not bring up to me, but that I am, I am privately thinking would be one that he would entertain if it came open. Um, that would compete with the Georgetown job, but, uh, but the Georgetown one is going to be out there and he's going to be the overwhelming candidate, in my opinion, connected to that job. doesn't mean he will get it. doesn't mean Georgetown wants him, but it's, I think going to be an interesting couple of months here for Rick Pitino as the coaching carousel gets moving in a few weeks. I am going to predict what Rick Pitino is going to do. All right, let's do it. Let's <laughs> dangerous game, but go ahead. He'll coach somewhere else next season. Okay. I don't know where, but somebody's going to offer him a job that he's not going to turn down. He did say should. he will never coach in the Big Ten because Minnesota fired his son. So put any, any, I don't even know if any Big Ten job is going to open, but he's never coached in the Big Ten, he said. <laughs> That's a wild I'm stance like, to take. I'm like, I'm like whole what, league? what does Nebraska have to do with, with Richard getting fired? <laughs> yeah, That's like, what he said. Like, let's, let's, think, let's think about, okay, what Big Ten job could open? I mean, Minnesota could open. Someone in the comments is saying the job that I won't say here is Louisville. That's not the job. Just so we're no, 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 no. They can't. It's not Kentucky it. either. It's not those jobs. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think any. I think you're right. I don't think any Big Ten job is going to open. He was big time on like I'm not looking to go live in a place I don't want to live. I'm 70 years old. He's eight minutes away. He lives on a ritzy golf course and. It, the lack of commute is a, is a major thing. So anyway, that was uh, it's it's potentially the St. John's. Uh, I mean, the St. John's Georgetown is the Rick Patino special here on Wednesday night. Loser gets Rick Patino. Uh, maybe we'll see. I would say objectively speaking on this kind of inside the business. Um, this is no surprise, but like Georgetown far outpaces St. John's in terms of job appeal for many people. And I would I would believe that even though St. John's is closer to where Rick Patino's home base is right now, I would think that Patino would hold Georgetown in higher esteem than St. John's, but I don't have that 100% on the record as fact, but that would be me reading into the situation. You know, he had a home for a long time down in Miami, might still have it, if yeah. Jim Laranega were to retire, and I'm not suggesting that he would or should. I mean, he's operating one of the best basketball teams in the country right now. Like, he got a top 15 team right now. But if that Miami job would open? That's, I could, that, that's, not, a, that's not a bad one. I think... I did not talk to Rick about this. I want to say someone mentioned it to me. I think Rick had someone in Rick's family 
went to Georgetown or something. I don't know. There's some, there's also some sort of connection there. And I, and Georgetown fans are they They're putting, have you seen the stuff they're putting up around campus? I think they're putting like the, uh, the two shaded Patino oh. image with hope under it. And that's like all over. <laughs> like they're just building these murals. I, I there. would do it. I don't know if Georgetown's going to do it. I don't know if St. John's is going to do it, but I do feel confident that somebody with a job that Rick will take is going to yeah. offer Rick that job and he'll coach somewhere else in the 2023-24 season. Hey, if it happens, we'll talk about it then. Uh, right. On Thursday night, uh, Northwestern at Illinois, UCLA at Utah, Penn State at Ohio State, Michigan at Rutgers, USC at Colorado. Not a lot of great stuff there, but, you know, those are games that are going to be played on Thursday night. <laughs> My man knows how to sell it. (laughs) Not a lot of of great stuff there, but those are games that are going to be played on Thursday. My best game of Thursday, I'd say, is Northwestern at Illinois. Although Michigan, if it won at Rutgers, it would get into the conversation. Kind of like on Wednesday, you mentioned it, but if Wake wins at NC State, let's maybe take a little bit of a closer look at what Steve Forbes has cooking there. But they got to win at NC State. That's a 9 Eastern tip on Wednesday. Providence at UConn, by far the best game of the night i think 6 30 eastern in gamble i had a few people asking in the now this is, one, this is one of those where i don't know if i lost norlander or if he lost me uh, no he, i'm he here i'm us. here you got me it, it was me i'm back you got me it's nice to have you back. I'm here. I see. I see. Uh, yeah, it was me. Today. It was me. What do you I, want? Like it just I, see your, yeah. I see you're podcasting today from Bloomington or perhaps Knoxville. Yeah, that's exactly. Hey, I don't know. Tennessee when you lost fans, me. if you're out there, would you please tweet me? I haven't heard from you in days. No, please don't. Please it's just don't. please like let me know you're okay. You know how on the like when there's an earthquake or a storm or tornado and on Facebook, you can check yourself as safe. If you're oh. a Tennessee fan out there, just I'm. Just like check in with me. Let me know you're okay. I haven't heard from any of you in days, so I'm assuming it's not just because you, I'm a, I'm I'm just wondering if you're okay. So all right, let me know. Just tweet me and be like, GP, we're we're okay. We just want to let you know we're safe. I'm worried about them. Did you okay? My real. I'm done after this. Did you hear me talk about Wake? Did it, was I there for the Wake stuff? But Wake's got a Wake's got to beat NC State. I think that's what you said. Wake's got. Yeah, that's a hard. That's a that's a that's a hard place to set the bar. You must go. To Raleigh and beat Turquavion. It's tough. But if they do, we take a little bit closer look. Kentucky is going to, it's still in the tournament with the loss, but it's at Florida. Just keep an eye. And then UNC plays at Notre Dame. I had to talk about that on HQ earlier this morning. UNC cannot lose this game. UNC at Notre Dame, 9 Eastern ESPN. Uh, just a game with the utmost urgency on, on Wednesday night. But Providence, UConn, that is by far your best watch. That's all I got. Let's get out of here. Got, I just got a text message. Sounds like I'm going to go on Inside Edition to talk about Brandon Miller. I didn't even realize that show was still around. Oh, okay. you're kidding me? Uh, I'm not dialed into that. I don't know. Inside, I've always wanted to be on Inside Edition. I'm looking forward to this. Okay. Shouts to Devin Downey. I thought I'd be on Inside Edition for other reasons. Turns out... That's going, yeah, that's going in the no context preview. Inside Edition, huh? Turns out... Turns out I need a Brandon Miller to take a gun to the scene of an altercation for me to get on Inside Edition. You never know how this world's going to work, you know? You, you, once, never know. you once found yourself on the Weather Channel. So. I was on the Weather Channel. I thought yeah. In that moment, I thought I was a rising star in the field of meteorology, but just sort of plateaued after that. Was that. Outra- I don't even... 
Why the hell did you wind up on the weather channel? If I remember correctly, I'll give you the quick story. There was a there was a guy who who was a producer for a sports talk radio uh, network or station. And, you know, he, he would have me on every once in a while. Like, hey, GP, can you come on and talk college basketball? And he subsequently took a job at the Weather Channel. channel and there was going to be um, outrageous flooding or storms or something in Memphis. And I was literally the only person he could think of <laughs> in Memphis. <laughs> and they wanted somebody to speak from Memphis in advance of these storms. And so it was like, and now we're joined by Gary Parrish <laughs> from Memphis <laughs> to talk about storms. <laughs> this is the thing ever. This is like 2016 or something. This I was on the Weather Channel discussing storms. That's a fact. Your viability as a random guest on non-sports dominated shows has increased in the years since. Check GP apparently on tonight's edition of Inside Edition wherever, whenever that airs in your local area. Shouts to David Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribe. Please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Five Stars, Nice Review at Apple. Type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comment. If you've ever watched Inside Edition, you know there's more of us than there are of them. Basically, everybody on Inside Edition, one of us. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm going home. It's where I belong on Inside Edition. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that, and we're going to talk to you again at the very latest on Friday morning. Till then, take care. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.